All right, I welcome you all to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast. Today, with my special guest, Tom Montag. Uh, he has been at the podcast before last year, and um, his website is montalk.net, M-O-N-T-A-L-K.net. Most of my viewers are already familiar with his work. And we want to dive into the coronavirus topic and really look at it from very different angles and different um, perceptions of how it happened, why it happened, and where it may be going to, the bigger lessons from the bigger picture perspective, looking at the 3D matrix perspective, the 4D occult matrix perspective, and all of that, and many other things. And um, we already talked, Tom and I, and many uh, others have talked about this topic already in our forum. And it was very interesting because Tom tweeted something about over way over a month ago, it was like mid-February, that there may be a shortage coming. And back then, I have to say, I was like, okay, sure, there's another virus scare like any other one. It will come and go. But I definitely personally underestimated the panic reaction and the fear reaction of the masses, so to speak, because there's definitely a shortage in various areas, but mostly because of panic buying and all of that. So we want to dive into that. First of all, welcome, Tom, to, to the show once again. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. Absolutely. So let's start. I'm really because I remember you shared also. Um, people have been asking you how you came to these conclusions, and you were following certain patterns based on your research. But also, very fascinating was based on various consecutive dreams you had. So maybe you can share about about that. Yeah. So I had about three symbolic dreams, and each one of them reflected a different facet of kind of what we're facing now and what we could possibly be heading into. And the first dream that I had was back in uh, early December. And in that one, I was uh, in a post-apocalyptic society. And basically, if you imagine maybe half the people that there are now, and there's really no government, no police, and people have to go to like a food depot manned by armed guards, and you barter and trade for goods there, you know, to get your food or whatever items you need. It was, very, it was a very mundane, very routine feeling to that dream. Like, there really was no major plot or motion to it or anything. It was very matter-of-fact. So that was one dream. The dream I had after that was I was at like a, a city hall or a DMV. DMV, if, if you guys aren't American, it's like a, it's where you go to get your driver's license. So you have to you have this waiting room and there's like a little booth there and you submit your information and everything. But it was converted into like an unemployment office. So you had all these people there just waiting and you go up to the counter and you sign up for work for the day. And when you complete it, you come back and you get paid and canned foods. Okay. That was our second dream. And the third dream... I was in an airport and people around me started getting sick with some sort of uh, weird parasite. Um, it was symbolically represented as little, little, little tiny worms, like little parasites just coming out of their skin and, and in their bodies and everything. And it would turn them into zombies. And it kind of reminded me of this show called The Strain, which starts out with, uh, interestingly enough, a pandemic and this guy from the CDC coming in to you know, head the investigation into it. Um, so in this dream, I was escaping the zombies, I had to escape the airport. And when I went outside, I was in Africa. It was like a savanna setting. And there was this mountain in the back. And uh, this building had to go towards where you climb up a ladder. And you go into this building that was, little, it was shaped like a, like, a, like a horizontal food pantry, like a cabinet. And there are people inside. So this is all, you know, so these dreams, three dreams that I had, I couldn't, I didn't really make the, the connection at the time. I mean, I figured, okay, well, maybe it's pertaining to some event coming up, but I didn't really know. Real quick, what was the date of those dreams and how far apart were they? Okay, so the first one I had early December, second okay. one late December, and the one about the airport, the zombies was early January. Okay, so pretty close together. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I must say too, though, that um, since this time and within the past couple of weeks, I heard from a lot of people who also shared their dreams, um, their weird subconscious ways of picking up that something was going on, whether it's a story that they wrote or uh, song lyrics that just, just nails what's going on now. Uh, and they didn't know where the words were coming from, you know, or where the inspiration was coming from. So there was definitely something within the collective unconscious that was kind of seeping through, through a lot of people at the same time. And some of these dreams were extremely uncanny, and I didn't, I didn't ask for permission to share them, so I can't, but um, they're, they're even better than the ones I just shared. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, but that also then ties into, you know, then you did, uh, I remember you um, posted on the forum, then also doing some research about the whole... Um, you know, the the economic supply chain, so to speak, which then prompted you to tweet out, hey guys, there might be, it will be a shortage in a few weeks. And you literally uh, posted that tweet when nobody was really thinking about that at all, right? So how, how does the tie, how, what, what did you look into it just on the, on the basic research level then? Right, yeah, so it started, you know, I mean, it started back in, in Wuhan, China, where you had researchers, um, there's one in particular, who came out with, you know, a warning saying that there was this big uh, viral pneumonia going around. But of course, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, suppressed them. You know, they got them to retract a statement because they were trying to cover something up. Okay, But people on the internet and certain news outlets did begin picking up on it. And so you had certain parts of the, uh, well, certain parts of the internet, like Reddit forums and other forums, um, you know, starting to, to look into it, keeping track of the different news articles. And so I started looking into it, partly prompted by that third dream that I had. I figured, okay, well, if this is some sort of a pandemic, when I saw that headline about this potential uh, virus coming out of Wuhan, China, I realized, hmm, that could be it. So that's so, you know, it was about, you know, January 27th, 28th that I really started looking into it. And, you know, there are other people before me who were already been looking into it for a couple of weeks now. But as far as the fringe community goes, uh, they weren't really on it too much because this was more of a, of a mainstream, you know, mainstream media. Uh, you, know, you know, the Reddit people—they're they're, not—they're not necessarily fringe, right? They're just very mainstream. They, some are kind of scientifically minded or agnostic, you know, something like that. So that's the sort of topic that they're into—the social, political stuff. And so I was following that for a while, and as I saw what was happening in Wuhan with uh, the kind of the quarantines they were doing, welding people into their apartments, into their apartment buildings, like literally welding the doors closed or putting like a bar in front of it so they couldn't get out. That's how they were handling it. And up to that point, there was a lot of panic buying there. And then when it finally started spreading to Japan and South Korea, exact same pattern. You know, first the cases start appearing and when it reaches a certain threshold, people start panicking, start panic buying Japan. For instance, you know, weeks before it even happened here, the toilet paper was out, all these daily essentials, yeah. things like that. So, you know, Based on the scientific data that was coming out of that region in China and in Japan and Korea, there were enough dots at that point that I figured, okay, if there is something to this, if it's not just a big hoax or scam, then it's only a matter of time before it started happening here. And even better, you can take the data that was coming out of these places and you can actually calculate what the numbers would be once things started uh, picking up in a certain country. And so based on, you know, once cases started happening in the USA, I was able to calculate approximately by what time you'd start getting the panic, the shortages, um, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, when the numbers start climbing. So we haven't really gotten yet to the point where the hospitals are really overflowing, but we're starting to, to get to that point. Yeah, but as far as that panic thing, I mean, so early February, around February, I think, 4th or 7th, I sent out, sent out a tweet 
a, a link to one of my articles that I had written back in 2010, and I've updated it ever since, called Survival and Emergency Preparedness. And in there, I have recommendations for you know, all, the, all, all the, the, the basics that you would need to get through different kinds of scenarios. So I'll link that, put it out there, hoping that people would read it and sort of uh, get into the mindset of preparing if they had to. And then a couple weeks later, February 14th, I think, I sent out another tweet saying that that tweet was not just a reminder, it was actually a warning. And to expect shortages and panic due to supply issues within about two to four weeks. So that, that was a progression of uh, how I came to be right. right. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I remember in our last uh, podcast, we talked in the, in the second hour, you mentioned also this whole, but you're getting more into like, um, you know, the preparation because something has to give at some point within the whole matrix construct. And I also want to make clear, you appreciate also your approach because some people can get overly into the 3D fear mindset of prepping, right? But, you know, we, we will talk about this in a short uh, in a while as well. It's also about spiritual, you know, metaphysical preparation and just, you know, understanding the bigger forces at play here, not to feed into the fear or get get caught in 3D survival thinking. But yeah, like at the beginning, like I mentioned, I saw this, this you know, at, at that time, end of uh, January, I was uh, with Laura in Germany visiting my parents and really saw people with masks. But I just like, okay, it's just, I don't, I'm not letting this get to me. This is just, you know, I've seen this before with past viruses, Ebola and whatnot. So this is, you know, who knows what the real agenda is. But then, and I remember again, we talked about it on the forum and, you know, I remember this also when I went to Whole Foods and all of a sudden I saw this, that was a reality check for me at first time. There was no toilet paper. And I thought all this time, it was just a bad joke going around in the internet. I didn't realize that people literally stock up on toilet paper. And I think it started in Australia, apparently, or something. So I was like, holy shit, this is, this is, this is happening. And then I felt, I mean, I shared this on the forum as well. I felt the fear frequency and like me almost getting into it and wanting to buy and stock up and just like grabbing stuff. But like, no, I want to, don't, I want to resist that because this is the panic thing, which creates the shortage. And I feel that the, the only reason why there is a shortage is because of panic buying. It's not even necessary. People would just stay more reasonable of common sense, which is not that common these days. But then uh, <clears throat> I remember the day when Trump announced the emergency, you know, Laura and I went on a Sunday to Whole Foods, just regular shopping, and the shelves were empty. People were in line since in the morning. There was nothing available, and you could see just people grabbing and this crazy energy. And at some point, we were like, literally, first, fuck, we have to take care of ourselves as well. You know, so we also then, Laura actually went to, to your link and, you know, we prepared accordingly just the last minute. And I feel also, you mentioned it as well, it affects different areas differently, depending where you're at. And there may be, you know, delayed effect in, in other areas and whatnot, especially where we live here. It has hit hard in, in California. And, and again, it's mostly because of the reaction of the people. So... You know, what I want to get into, like, before you just also alluded to, like, making these calculations, which makes a lot of sense and and the numbers. But, you know, based on my research, and uh, I've shared this with you uh, in my article as well, especially based on on the work of John Rappaport, who, you know, he has gone deep into that and he has, uh, you know, done research into these so-called epidemics and viruses for decades, you know. So what about the numbers? Because there's a so-called confirmed cases, right? And the death toll. And there seems to be an, an issue like with the, the tests themselves. John Robert just released an article recently that even the CDC said that this so-called PCR test cannot fully be trusted in a sense. Uh, but everybody is kind of 
avoiding that or not acknowledging it. And there seems to be also all kinds of regular flu symptoms or cases mixed into the whole equation. So how do we know what the true numbers are? Have you ever considered that, the, you know, the, the, the statistics, so to speak? Yeah, okay, so yeah, I mean, I'll get into that. And um, I'll say first, you know, the, the, the bottom line is the, the number of confirmed cases, you know, whether the tests are valid or not, that's one issue. The other issue is simply monitoring um, what the uh, what the hospital burden is, how many beds are being filled, how many are being overflowing. Um, if you look at, for example, cemetery loads, morgue loads, how many bodies are coming in. If you look at those numbers and you really dig into it, you know, here's the problem, though. A lot of these countries, including Iran, starting with China, they were, it's been proven that they were um, suppressing their numbers extremely, extremely. And so what China was doing, for example, their numbers were fake because there were people who figured out that the numbers that they were publishing were based strictly on a, on a mathematical equation with a little bit of randomness added in. And it was so close to the equation that there's no way it could actually be done by monitoring actual real cases, okay? So, so they're publishing fake numbers. And what they were doing in real life, they were, for example, um, they're telling people, if you were sick, for the most part, they're gonna, they're gonna lock you into your apartment. And if you get sick and you die, you get sick and die without ever being tested. And likewise, people who are coming into the hospital, they're trying to come up with any excuse to say why they died other than an actual virus, you know, whether it's bacterial pneumonia or, you know, some other, some other issue, like if they had a comorbidity, like uh, they had diabetes or heart issues, they would just list the death as that. Even if there were a virus that caused them to die because of it, um, they would list that other thing as the death, okay? Yeah. Now, what they were doing, um, there was an actual expose by, uh, what was it called? China in Focus. It's a, it's, a, it's a news organization funded by the Falun Gong, who is like the mortal enemy of the Chinese Communist Party because, you know, they have, they're having the organs harvested and people being rounded up and everything. So this news organization, they did a really good job of trying to dig up any dirt on what the Chinese government was doing. And they actually uh, faked, they, they actually pretended to be a, uh, a Chinese official and they called some of the morgues or some of the crematoriums they had in Wuhan to talk to some of the personnel there to figure out what's actually going on. And they got them to admit that the number of bodies that they were you know, processing per day was about five to 10 times more than they would uh, during a normal flu season. Okay. And uh, they also estimated that about 60% of the bodies that were coming in were coming in from homes, from apartments, and not from the hospitals. Okay. So the official Chinese death figures, which right now I think are somewhere around 3,700, something like that. There was another news article that came out that says uh, Italy has surpassed the death toll for China. And everyone was surprised, like, wow, how could a small country like Italy surpass a huge country like China? Is it because the people in Italy are, you know, just very old demographic or what's going on? Well, no, well, part, that's part of it. But the other part of it is that China was totally suppressing the death numbers. And uh, right now, Germany is doing something similar. If someone comes in with a coronavirus and any other health condition, if that person dies, they're going to list the other health condition as the cause of death. Okay. So the, it's, it's, in, it's, it's in the interest of most governments to lie about this and to try to prevent panic as much as possible. Um, and unfortunately, here in the USA, uh, once Trump started doing that, once he started downplaying it, the media had to be the obligatory contrarian and therefore hype everything up as much as possible. So that's why in the media right now, you're seeing an extreme level of fear mongering, uh, a lot of hype. Meanwhile, you know, the, the presidential team is, is trying to like to calm the public and try to downplay it. And, and the truth is somewhere between those extremes. Now you asked about like the, um, John Rappaport and his criticism of the, of the PCR tests. 
so there, there are two different kinds of tests that they use for determining whether it is the supposed you know, COVID-19 disease um, caused by the SARS coronavirus 2. So they have two tests. One is the antibody test, um, which is relatively more reliable. And the other one is the PCR test. And PCR, what that is, it's a, it's a form of genetic amplification. It's where you take an extremely small sample of DNA of, of a virus, a bacteria, or, or a, a crime suspect. And you, you uh, biologically, chemically amplify it many, many, many times over until it gets large enough that you can actually read the entire DNA sequence. So what Rappaport was saying is that when you, when you take a sample from someone, the part that actually gets tested to do the PCR results, it gets amplified so many times that there's no way to tell um, how much of the actual virus was actually throughout the, throughout the body. Like, was it billions and trillions of viruses? Or was it only just a couple which he says, you know, are probably naturally around us all the time. And when you take this test, you, you know, you run for the specific virus, of course you're going to find it because most likely, uh, even if you had a very, very tiny minuscule amount, you know, you're going to detect it and that due to the amplification. Um, and then that's a valid criticism. The, the, only, uh, the only thing to counter that would be to say, well, if the body only has a couple, you know, just a few coronaviruses of, of this, uh, you know, the, the, this particular virus that we're talking about, then what are the chances that one of those viruses is going to end up on a swab and within that swab, that little tiny bit is going to end up in, in the test. Okay. The probability of that would be extremely, extremely low if there aren't enough viruses in the body to begin with to be distributed, you know, in all the key areas. So if you do detect on a swab and you do detect it in the test, then probability just says, okay, well, there's gotta be a, a bunch just to just to be able to be tested using that one swab already. So that, that's the main criticism of it. And, and mm-hmm. you can make up your own mind, which mm-hmm. argument is correct. Um, but it, it, you are right that some of these tests are faulty. And actually, the CDC's, the, the initial test kits that they were sending out, some of the reagents, one of the chemicals that they used to, to make it work was, was faulty. So that's why there was this, you know, two, three-week delay in getting all these tests going is because they had a, there was a big, big, big mess that they had to figure out. And likewise, I think uh, Spain ordered a bunch of test kits from China, and they found that 80% of those were defective that either they gave false positives or they gave false negatives. So it's, it's almost, you might as well just flip a coin to, mm-hmm. to see you know, what the results would be. That's how inaccurate they were. But here's the thing though, over time, these tests supposedly have been improving. Okay, So the ones that Rappaport was criticizing initially, that might not be the case now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you also got to keep in mind that when you have a bunch of people around the same time in a similar area having similar symptoms, something, something is going on there. Whether you want to blame it on you know, some sort of a targeted 5G thing or so, or, or an actual actual virus, but the data that's come out so far regarding the virus is that there is a very consistent rate of, of contagion amongst people. There's a very definite incubation period, which is you know it's, it's relatively unique to each contagion that you're talking about. So there's all these different symptoms, um, all these different markers that when you put that together with some of the, the, the antibody and PCR tests, overall, if you take that all together, it suggests that it's not just a scam, not just 100% a hoax. You know, there could be an actual virus there, and the hoax would be within the, the social engineering, the political reaction to it versus, you know, the actual uh, virus itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's good. Yeah, thank you, Tom. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> so there are various, I mean, it's really hard to, you know, know what is, you know, there are so many different angles you can look at from, obviously. And then also what I mentioned, it's interesting that you said that um, a lot of people who have... Uh, different health conditions, even if they have coronavirus and people die, then they're being diagnosed with this other health condition. Then I have heard from other resources as well that it actually 
you know, even elderly, even people of cancer who died and have the virus, they're being added to the death toll, even though the death could cause could be different. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really hard to get a grasp of the numbers in general, right? Because like mm-hmm. you mentioned as well, also the governments have their own agenda and whatnot. And there might be also environmental issues, like also like, you know, uh, what Rubberport talks about, which also is not being really taken into consideration, like just even questioning the mainstream view of viral uh, germ theory, so to speak, and not t- taking into equation the environment. For example, in Wuhan, in China, this high air pollution and possible 5G already has lowered the protection, the immune system, so to speak. So let's let's talk about the elephant in the living room, so to speak. And is the virus a natural like mutation that just appeared out of nowhere? Is it a bioweapon? Is it something they plan to do, but then it took a life on its own, so to speak? So what is your take on all that? Okay, well, let's look at the, uh, the data and the facts so far, and then we can kind of extrapolate from that. Yeah. So the data is that you can, you can, you can take all the people who display the definite symptoms of, of a very severe flu-like illness, like uh, this, this, this COVID-19 disease. And you can, from each one, you can, you can do the, run the test and you can isolate the, the, the coronavirus and you can run a genetic test on it to see what its, uh, what its genome is. And based on that, you can tell like, um, see, there's like different strains in different regions of, of the world because it's, it's like, it's like a family tree. You start out with the original and then, it splits off and this one mutates one way, this one mutates in the other way, and then that one splits. So if you sample a wide population for, for the genetic qualities of all these different strains, you can build a family tree and, and correlate it with also like who had contact with whom at what point, you know, who were, who were these, these spreaders that spread it to like 20, 50, 100 people and so on. And you can trace it back in time and there's different people who have done this. And what they found is that it, they're pretty certain it originated in Wuhan back in October of 2019. Which, which we'll talk about in a moment, was coincidentally the very same month that Bill Gates, in conjunction with uh, John Hopkins University and the World Economic Forum, ran this uh, Event 201 simulation mm. of a world pandemic that right. follows the exact trajectory that we are on right now. Okay, mm. so it's almost like they did like a test run, made sure like everyone could confirm it's going to create these numbers, and then released it mm. in Wuhan in October of 2019. That's what it seems like to me. But... Uh, yeah, so so that that's an important point. Um, now, regarding this idea of of germ theory, okay, so germ theory that's what mainstream science holds onto. It's the idea that diseases are caused by bacteria and viruses, and the way you solve that is by disinfecting and by using antibiotics and antivirals, and that's how you prevent disease. Okay, but you know there's there's been people for over a hundred years who say to the contrary, diseases come first through um, the environment, through toxins, through uh, malnutrition, through stress, emotional disharmony, things like that that build up, you know, in some sort of a physical, etheric uh, disharmony, blockage, imbalance in the body. And that causes the tissues to be weakened to where they become diseased. And then the bacteria and the viruses, they merely pounce on that in an opportunistic way. So the, the, the viruses and bacteria are more the symptoms of the disease rather than the reverse, you know, mm-hmm. where the disease is a symptom of the bacteria or virus. And I think, I think there is some truth to that because the one thing germ theory cannot explain is the psychosomatic nature of a lot of these illnesses that we get. Uh, I mentioned this example before where let's say you, you have an argument with someone, but you really have to swallow your words. So you feel this knot in your throat and 
incidentally, a day later, you come, you, you develop this extremely bad sore throat or strep throat. And you, sometimes you can even go to the doctor and they can take a swab and say, oh yeah, definitely, it's strep throat. How did you get it? Why in that area? Is it, is it just coincidence? What if it happens multiple times where you notice this pattern in your life where a certain emotional blockage or, or stress leads to a certain kind of disease? Okay, so, so that gets into the, the occult or metaphysical dimension of disease, which the, uh, the skeptics of germ theory, they're, they're picking up on that. They, 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 know, they know what they're talking about. And not to mention, you know, of course, air quality and food quality, diet, things like that, our environment affects our, suscept our, our uh, susceptibility to, to disease, right? Um, so they got that part right. But I think it's not mutually exclusive with what the mainstream germ theory is all about. In that, how do I put this? So, so I mean, here's the thing. If, if germ theory were entirely false, then it wouldn't be possible to, for example, create bioweapons, you know, to, to create an actually genetically engineered organism that attacks a certain part of the body in, in a certain way. And, and we know bioweapons have been used in the past. And there's also, uh, there's also a huge correlation between the, the type of bacteria or the, the type of virus and the kind of symptoms that people get. Or for example, if there's like a pandemic or epidemic, right? It strikes a certain area and it affects a bunch of people in a very short period of time that are all clustered together and, you, know, and then you, can, you can tell how they kind of interact with each other and pass it on to each other. I don't think that would be possible if environment were the sole factor or if uh, some sort of emotional distress or blockage were the sole factor, right? Because what's the chances that all people in that particular area all had the exact same environmental exposure, which, you know, in, in, some, in some cases, you know, the air is relatively clean. Okay, there's, there's cases in Germany and Switzerland now, and I don't think they have as much air pollution as they did in Wuhan, China, for example. So overall, I would say that, um, that, it, that it's, it's a bit of both, that these viruses exist and they have an actual mechanism for inducing a certain set of symptoms in the body, but your level of uh, the environment within your body, including your occult environment, which has to do with your emotions and your spiritual health and what kind of beliefs you program your subconscious with, plays into whether you allow that to proliferate within you or not. Okay, so ultimately you hold the key. You, you hold the responsibility for whether it's really going to blow up or not. Um, but all, that, all, all you're doing is you're, you're presenting a door with a lock on it, okay? And you still need a key from the outside to come in to actually unlock it, which is a virus, to, to start replicating. So it's a bit of both. It's like it's, it's a, it takes two to tango, you know? Mm -hmm. External factor, that, that is the, the, it's just the match that lights a fire. And you are the dry forest that's ready to burn if you're in the proper condition for it. Yeah. Now that makes sense, you know, to kind of like a, uh, it's not black and white basically, right? Um, right? But, you know, that reminds me also, interestingly, let's just talk about a bit from the occult metaphysical perspective. And, and I know, I think you read my article where I mentioned some of the work of Integral Yoga, Sri Aurobindo and the mother. And the mother in particular mentioned about uh, the nature of microbes or germs and viruses are actually manifestations of occult hostile forces, like suggestions, like little like <laughs> soldiers, um, you know, thought forms they put out in order to affect uh, humans. But it's also about us on a metaphysical, how we accept the suggestion, right? Through the, you know, the aura, the appears through and the aura can be damaged. Our immune system can be lowered through unhealthy living through our belief system, through fear and all of that, feeding the fear frequency. And I just recently, actually just today, I wrote about it as well um, from the point of view how this uh, virus is actually a fear virus, a fear contagion. 
And once you feed into that, you can actually literally manifest or create disease within you, which may not necessarily be related to the virus or like you just open the door, given the key, so to speak, to manifest in disease. And there's something even I looked, I saw um, called even on, on, on a government medical website about voodoo death or no kibo. It's like the opposite of a placebo. Right in Okibo, basically, that uh, people manifest disease or illness out of fear, anxiety, and belief, and actually has nothing to do with the virus. And that ties more into even black magic, spells, suggestions of illness. And even like people then say that sometimes the issue of diagnosing people get diagnosed with the illness and then they disintegrate even more because of the belief they have. So, looking at it, all of that, you know, um, is this also from the matrix control system is this also because their agenda works through like also manipulating reality control of consciousness and, you know, installing this fear program in order to make people more sick. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's an occult catalyst that increases the probability of a, of a physical mechanism accomplishing what, what it normally does by default. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like um, when, when you talked about when Sibir Rabino and, and the mother were talking about, these occult forces and how diseases are uh, an extension of that. You could say similarly for um, crime, like home invasions or stabbings or, or robberies, things like that. Okay, You can curse. I mean, if you're a black magician, you can put a curse on someone wishing them to lose all their stuff. Okay, And if you, if you do it strongly enough, you can increase the probability that that person is going to get robbed or is going to get scammed. You know, some, some criminal is going to come in and, and you know, take them out and take all their stuff, right? So in that case, you have an occult cause with a physical intermediary, which is the, the criminal, the thug, the, the robber that comes in, and to produce the final effect of the person losing, losing all their possessions. And I think viruses and bacteria are similar in that they are the, they are the deterministic, um, they're the mechanism, they're the physical side of it. But, but, that, but this physical component, what is it that starts it off to begin with? What is it that uh, causes it to replicate within a person and not within another person. And, you know, although there might be some physical factors there, I think uh, reality creation, consciousness, the aura, vibes, whatever you want to call it, that is a huge factor in allowing these physical mechanisms to accomplish their goals or, or, or to not to accomplish them. So when you talk about placebo versus, uh, what was that other one called? Uh, the opposite, uh, uh, no, nocebo. <laughs> placebo, nocebo, yeah, yeah. the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a placebo, nocebo, and also... The, the, the voodoo version of it, right? The, the voodoo the effect. One. Yeah, exactly. Okay, right. Okay, that's it. Yeah, so that's, that's new to me. But that, that makes sense though. So something like that, you're, you're, you're taking... See, those are effects that don't depend on physical things. You can give everyone a sugar pill, tell one person it's the actual medicine. You can tell the other one, this is actually a poison. You just swallowed something that's going to give you cancer. And the other one, you can just say, oh, it's a sugar. It's not going to do anything at all. And if you do that to enough people, you're going to get different effects in each. You know, statistically significant effects and you know that illustrates the power of the mind not just only through your own self-programming but in, in, in an occult context also the power of the mind to affect other minds using the etheric or astral medium as the the, the mode of transmission of these things okay mm-hmm. um now someone someone who's about to get sick okay if you're if you're clairvoyant and you have you have visual clairvoyance you can actually see the disease in their field before it ever manifests physically and, you know, if, if you believe in that, then that right there is, is, is proof that uh, the energy manifests before the disease, before even the physical component 
or even before the, uh, the, the tissue being diseased in, in a physical way, which, you know, some of these anti-germ theory proponents are, are trying to say. Um, so if that's the case, then you can cut down your, your risk of getting infected with anything through proper uh, spiritual alignment and harmony, which we'll, which we'll probably get into later. Um, but yeah, the, the whole energy, energetic occult component, that's like the other half of the equation. You know, the first half of the equation is the physical mechanism, the actual correct parts of germ theory, you know, and then all the things associated with that, like uh, hygiene, you know, disinfection. I mean, I mean see, the, the disinfection, for example, there are actual viruses and bacteria. And if you, if you sterilize them, if you get rid of them, then there is no key to unlock the lock that you're presenting to the world, okay? But then, but then when, you, when you're doing that, uh, you're not training your immune system necessarily. Uh, right. And you can actually end up with uh, allergies and autoimmune disorders over the long run just because the immune system is, isn't getting trained properly. Uh, within reason, of course, I mean, you don't want to expose yourself to anthrax or, or crazy stuff like that. But I'm talking about these people who wash their hands 100 times a day and, uh, you know, want to live in a sterile environment. They're the ones who come down with uh, ultra sensitivity to, to every little thing because not only are they sheltering their immune system and not making their, their body stronger, but they're also programming themselves continually with this idea that, oh, I'm being attacked, like everything is hostile. And yeah. so what that, what that, yeah, so what that impression does is it programs the immune system to react in exactly the same way. And I know this because I had this myself for, for quite a while. I used to live in an apartment where we had a mold problem and uh, I became kind of paranoid about mold being everywhere. So even, even when I'm breathing in back then, I would, I would have this, this feeling like, like the air itself was hostile. Okay. And I mean, the mold problem wasn't as bad as I had suspected, but it, it, it did lead me to become sensitive to many different foods. Like every little tiny thing would, would start triggering me. I was dealing with these autoimmune issues for, for a long time. And it wasn't until I actually sat down to reprogram my subconscious, reprogram my, my somatic consciousness, which is like the, the cell, the collective consciousness of all the cells in your body into saying like, okay, with this food, you're going to be okay with it. You're going to eat it. You're not going to have a reaction. Everything will be fine. You'll just let it, let it go through. You're not going to react. And after I did that a couple of times, it was fine. Mm -hmm. I was able to, to eat those foods, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that shows that the power of the somatic or subconscious part of you and how much it can affect you in either a positive way or, or a negative way, depending on what you put into it. Interesting. Yeah, what you mentioned also before now with the clairvoyant view that ties definitely directly with Shri Aurobindo said that the, an illness comes also before the symptoms as a suggestion from the outside. And depending on your level of awareness and being, you can already then sense that with you know clairvoyant sixth sensory perception, even reject that before it comes in. Uh, but what you also mentioned with this OCD um, hand washing and all of that, you know, that it's almost the irony because even in your example, what you're more afraid of and paranoid are of, you actually manifest and attract within yourself. You know, that's 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 the uh, the paradox and all of that. But also, even like from a basic medical perspective, this OCD hand washing and sanitizing is actually not good for the skin. It breaks like, the, you know, over time, the protective uh, layer of the skin. And also then people start to fear their own bodies. You know, that's what we have a program, the fear of our own bodies, our own immune system. That's why people go to, you know, want to be vaccinated and all of that. And you're right, sometimes trusting that our body has this intelligence and can adjust and fight off, you know, even I worked with a nutritionist and she said, you know, sometimes, you know, don't, you know, become 
become neurotic about clean food all the time, throw your system with a curveball sometimes to kind of like, you know, especially when you go traveling, so you don't get that sick that easily. It's not about, you know, like you mentioned, not, not uh, exaggerating that, but, you know, not getting into this uh, neurotic sense of cleanliness, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, so here, here's the thing. I mean, when we talk about occult or subconscious reprogramming, reprogramming protective measures, not everyone's going to have it 100%, okay? Or actually, I would say no one has it 100% unless you're some esoteric master who can bend spoons and you know, bilocate or something, okay? We all have, to some degree, some percentage of our entire being, we have uh, a very small level of vulnerability to just plain physical factors. I mean, even if you're spiritual, sometimes you still bang your toe on a corner of a desk, for example. Uh, we still buckle our seatbelts when we get in the car, just in case, Okay. And, and so when it comes to, to disease, for example, some, some viruses and some bacteria have a higher probability of causing uh, an infection or a disease just because of how, how clever they are at disarming the body's own uh, defense mechanisms. And with those, to the degree that they are more virulent or more lethal, you yourself have to be more uh, protective on an occult subconscious you know, self-programming level in order to resist that. So if it's something weak like a common cold or even even a common flu, you know, most basic spiritual practices and kind of centering, centering yourself, avoiding a lot of stress, that can keep that away 100%. I mean, I went like 10 years without the flu, you know, just, just based on that. Um, but when we're talking about something that's maybe five times stronger than the flu, like, like this supposed coronavirus that we're facing now, I would say that your own defenses would therefore correspondingly also have to be four or five times stronger than they would normally be. It's just, uh, just matching one thing with one thing. You're matching a physical thing with a metaphysical thing. And so to the degree that you can't match it sufficiently using your, your metaphysical uh, inner, inner powers, you have to make up for that using physical protective measures. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Now, normally, okay, if we, didn't, if, if we didn't have a pandemic right now, you wouldn't have to wash your hands as often as they're recommending. Just because if you do that, like you said, you're going to damage the skin which will create cracks, which can actually let more things in. And, and not to mention uh, the whole OCD aspect of it will, will you know, subconsciously attract in anything that will reinforce that, which is even more infections, even more you know, germs causing problems in your life. Okay? But like I said, now if we're actually facing something that is five times worse, then you just got to up your defenses five times more, both spiritually and physically. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so let's then... Talking to what we touched upon um, briefly, what you mentioned with this very interesting uh, conference, the 201 conference, it was at John Hopkins or the WHO, who really like really talked about back in October what's happening right now, really like planned it, so to speak. So let's look at it from a 3D matrix perspective uh, in light of problem, reaction, solution. So what do you feel the whole agenda is behind the whole pandemic? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good question. I mean, I've thought a lot about that myself. I think um, I think that there is proof that the virus is bioengineered, um, just because when, when you look at this genetic sequence, there are four key parts, like four sequences that are pretty much copied and pasted from other viruses. And now the skeptics would say, well, of course, because just like all cars have wheels, all different viruses are going to need these common components in order to, to infect. Okay? But here's the thing, all these other viruses that have these components, they don't have all four of them. They might only have one. And it might be in a certain area that doesn't even really matter, okay? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you have one virus uh, that has these four key components and each one of them has a certain 
it has a very intentional design behind it. And uh, I watched a really good interview with between Stephen Molyneux, or how you pronounce his name, and uh, Dr. Paul Cottrell. And he got into the genetic aspect of why this is actually a bioengineered thing. And his hypothesis was that originally it, was, it wasn't intended to be a bioweapon at all. They were just experimenting. And at some point, uh, I forgot the year, but it became militarized because they realized its potential as a bioweapon. So at that point, you know, for, there was a couple of years worth of development where it, it did have bioweapon potential. And then he doesn't know exactly how it happened, but it escaped the lab. I mean, not, not personally, I think it didn't escape accidentally. I think it was intentional just because uh, the, the way it coincided with that event 201 and mm-hmm. Bill Gates's obsession with pandemics and population reduction and mm-hmm. IDing everyone. You know, there, there's, there's all these oligarchs out there, these, these crazy technocratic crypto feudalists who are... They're, they're hell-bent on reducing the population or, if not that, then at least implementing a very high level of, of social engineering that is, you know, the, the nightmare of Christians, the whole, like, Antichrist, Mark of the Beast system, all the, all the kind of stuff that they're warning about, these guys are actually trying to accomplish for real, okay, because they're, they're transhumanists. You know, they envision a future where the entire planet looks like what China looks like right now in terms of your social credit scores. Um, I don't think they've implemented universal basic income there, but that would be the, the thing that comes because universal basic income, it sounds good in theory. The problem is it's very easy for the government to use it as a, as a, as a leash on people. If your social credit score is too low, you are denied universal basic income. And because of universal basic in- income, jobs are going to be very scarce because you know, there's no longer a, a marketplace for competition. Like people can, it, just, it doesn't work that way. So if you don't please the government, that can be taken away from you and now you become a nobody you'll probably end up dying in the gutter because you can't even get medical services because you don't qualify as a human being. You lose your human rights. So that's the kind of thing that they're they're going for. Um, Now, this whole event 201, for example, as I mentioned, it was a simulated test run for what's going on right now. And there were papers written even in 2010 showing exactly how a pandemic would play out uh, and all the social engineering aspects of it. And that's what's happening now. So this is definitely not an accident. You know, this was definitely released. I'm pretty sure it's probably released on, on purpose to, to achieve social engineering ends. And like I said, it's, it's to create a kind of a, a global version of the, of the Chinese communist system. Yeah, which also the push here, you know, the new world order on the basic level, the socialist new world order, you know, what people hail as, yeah. as uh, you know, even people want a daddy government to take care of us. Even this universal income, which I want to get into maybe later in the second hour as well. You know, not only like with the social credit score and whatnot, but it also, there are metaphysical repercussions of just like almost creating comic deck of trying to get things for free. You know what I mean? You're doing anything and the government just gives you money or whatever, right? And, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like it creates a trap of agreement, like this carrot dangling and giving away your freedom and your rights. So, but yeah, it's like almost like the Orwellian uh, vision becoming reality on steroids because everything what's happening right now on some level, it could relate to obviously landing to mandated medicine, vaccinations, right? Uh, Mandatory, then this whole economic crash as well. um, Creating also like on a very basic level, like what uh, Laura and I call the matrix trauma installment program or Naomi Klein, the shock doctrine, just to like, you know, creating trauma in 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 the public in the collective, in this fear frequency, people just, you know, get stuck in this fear frequency. You can see from the cold level how these forces feed off of that, but then people are easier controlled, right? When they're in that 
intense fear. And then recently I heard like they announced something like the digital dollar, like the cashless society may be looming, right? And also Trump just signed uh, the 5G uh, law to boost 5G security, so to speak, just last Monday. So everything, what, you know, like you mentioned, um, uh, has been started, you know, for social engineering and to implement laws or regulations. They have been just waiting to implement. Like it's a classic Hegelian dialect problem, reaction solutions, and most people just get along with it. And it's fascinating because, yeah, there's some truth, reality, as you just pointed out, to the virus itself. So, you know, they created the problem <laughs> and then present a solution, right? And uh, people react and then they present a solution. It's, it couldn't be any more classic, but it ties into what we have researched and what we've seen building up for the past decades. Even, you know, I don't know so if you saw David Icke's recent uh, interview. I mean, people can think of David Icke what they want. He plays his role, right, on the 3D level. And he pointed all that out as well. So it's just interesting where it will leading to now that's kind of like the 3d perspective and i uh you know i, I saw a meme the other day it was funny like here your 30-day trial of of communism hope you like it <laughs> so to speak um so that's a 3d perspective so how that ties that into the hyperdimensional 4d sts perspective and because we know that's kind of more on the root of the of the matrix so to speak mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it that right now, since you have this global coherence of the fear frequency in, in the world's population, that you, you have a lot of uh, loose energy harvesting going on right now. I mean, no doubt about it, right? I mean, yeah. when was the last time in history that you had this level of um, consternation about threats where everyone feels like they're vulnerable? I mean, most everyone feels like they're vulnerable. Uh, it's, it hasn't been that way in a, in a very long time. So... Uh, I mean, a lot of energy is being fed upon right now because of this. On the other hand, I mean, if we do have an actual physical threat as well, then this whole idea of, of preparing for it, right? It, it's got to be a delicate balance between doing what you can do physically without harming yourself spiritually. Mm. So if you're, if you're someone who has enough control over your mind and your emotions that you can prepare, that you can wash your hands if you have to, without the 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 subconscious reinforcement of fear and, and, and panic and vulnerability, if you, if you can keep that balance, then you're basically going to have all your bases covered, both the physical and the metaphysical, you know, versus someone else who has a very strong neurotic component. And if they try to disinfect surfaces all day long and do everything that they recommend you doing, they just end up burning out. And they might actually get sick from the immune depression that comes with that level of stress, the constant level of stress and, 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 and fear and, and paranoia about every little thing. Yeah. So, the reason why I mention that is because as far as a 4D level goes, we ourselves have higher density components with us. Like our higher self, for example, I would estimate this somewhere around a, a, at the cusp between fifth and sixth density if you go by the, the raw material system. Okay? And whereas our physical body itself is more like, a, you know, it's, it's, like an, it's like an animal body. Okay. And our etheric body, I guess that's what the raw material would call the yellow ray body. It's like where we are on like a human level, it kind of sustains us as, as we are like this versus animals. So the reason why I mention that is because our approaches to dealing with the situation that we're in right now should also be multi-spectrum. And that's kind of like the, the, main, the main message I'm trying to get across in this interview is that it's not just 100% physical and it's not just 100% metaphysical, right? It's a little bit of both. 
So therefore, we have to respond to it in both ways. And the same thing can also be said for the agenda itself behind the virus. It's both mm -hmm. physical in the sense of 3D stuff like social engineering and creating. Well, I mean, another component of the 3D aspect I forgot to mention is that so far, I mean, disregarding that 5G thing for now, Trump and his administration has been, they've been, they've been setting up a, a, a world order that is different from what the trajectory was up to his presidency. So everything that George Bush, that the Bushes and the Clintons have been setting up and Obama, that, that momentum was arrested for the most part. That direction it was going was arrested. Like, for example, we didn't really have war with North Korea as everyone was trying to, as the media was trying to push. You know, we didn't have war with Iran yet. Uh, things like that. And um, in order to stop that, in order to stop the, this whole rise of populism, the populist uprising in Hong Kong and in France and also in America with the MAGA movement, which was a, which was a populist movement, what better way to do that than a pandemic that locks everyone down, gets everyone programmed with the idea of obeying authority, and then, due to the economic crash, I'm sure they're hoping that uh, Trump is not the next president again, um, and therefore they can get things back on track to this globalist agenda that they're originally going for, which is the, the China communist uh, totalitarian model. Okay, so that's that's the 3D side of it. Now you asked about the 4D side, and I said and I said that besides just energy feeding, which is going on incredibly right now. I think the fourth density component, I think that ties more into the alien agenda and where all the 3D stuff is ultimately segueing into, okay? And that's a complicated subject because that gets into who Trump and the Trump administration actually might be, what they're actually really trying to do, what the, what the ultimate agenda there is. And that's, that's a huge, huge subject. Uh, I'll have to, we, we, we'll, we'll cover that. We'll cover that in, in this interview. Yeah. But I just wanted to touch on that quick, just to mention how it ties into the alien agenda as well. And it's not just, it's not just a cult, it's not just metaphysical. There's also an alien dimension to this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are many fraction, factions at play here and different levels. Because I was thinking you can see it, you know, you know, people sometimes say that I give conflict information, but it's also depending what level you look at it from. You can look at the mainstream level of being told, you can look at it behind the curtain conspiracy level, which we also need to question. It's not all conspiracies are true. You know, the Contair Pro PSYOP operations, possibly. There's a level of the government. I agree with Trump, you know, I'm like, it's definitely, um, you know, I felt like when I'm just looking object, because I'm neither pro or anti-Trump, but he has been actually kind of being more level-headed <laughs> in this whole scenario. And he, he's getting shit all the time because people just don't like him. So there might be something in uh, if it goes as deep as this whole savior Q thing. We we'll get into that a bit later. That's 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 to be questions. But there may be def some infighting definitely within the uh, public government. Uh, and then you can look it up. But also I looked it up from a basic psyche, like you see it from a Jungian perspective. The shadow, everything is coming up. What have we have not made conscious within us and is manifested in the world based on this death anxiety, the fear of death, which we all need to confront in some level, right? And you can look at it, the 4D alien perspective, the occult perspective, what we just um, mentioned and, and go deeper into that. And you could even look at it from this higher perspective of the evolution of consciousness and divine. And then it gets very paradoxical because everything is one and it's just, you know, Maya Leela playing itself out and all these are lessons. And uh, because there's also tremendous opportunity within all of that, right? Uh, for the ones who answer the call and it's like, you know, sometimes, most often the old needs to die before the new can be born. And if you want to really ascend to a quote unquote ascend to a 40 or higher level of consciousness, this all, you know, we need to transmute 
the current quote unquote system that needs to, it's also disintegrating, you know, and we may dive deep into a dark net of civilization before we can get out again. But, you know, there are different levels to look at it from, right? So depending our perspective, and obviously we are very limited in our vision depending on our, you know, level of being and whatnot. And there are all kinds of probable, um, probable futures, which may tie into this whole timeline reality split yeah but i want to get into all of that in the second hour but maybe also we can you know close on the first hour for our listeners um as well just on the basic level like you mentioned the most important part is just on a practical level you know take care of your emotional psychological and physical health right just be more you know without getting into paranoia without freaking out so to speak right and do you have any, you know, any suggestions? What do you do, for example, on the, on the daily basis now? Well, ideally, what I would do is I would take time out, uh, maybe stop reading the news for a day or two, just to kind of detox from that. And on the one hand, you got to stay informed. But on the other hand, you also got to, uh, you, can't, you can't overload yourself with it by yeah. obsessively reading about it eight hours a day. I mean, that's, that's exactly. just not good. You're just, yeah, you're just <laughs> saturating yourself with, with you you're plugging into that. I mean, anytime you focus on any demographic, and you really get yourself invested in it, you start sharing their, I guess you call it karma or destiny patterns. You start tapping into that. They get leaks over into, into your own personal path. Okay. So, I mean, that's why in life, ultimately you got to make your primary focus that which, that which whose trajectory you want to, you want to follow. Mm. Right. So that, that's why it's good to read people like Orbindo or these, these esoteric teachers because you're actually tapping into that vibe, into that, that, that stream, you know, if that's where you want to go, then you got to saturate yourself with that. And then everything else is more like a side dish, you know, reading mainstream news, for example, or going to work or, you know, all the normal things. That's like stuff on the side. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I do. I try to balance it between, between that and, and the more spiritual stuff. Um, and as far as like coping strategies go, uh, you know, some people, you just have to, you can, you can chunk it up. Like if, you know, handling the next month is too much, then just try to focus on getting a victory today, make it through today. Every day is a victory, right? That's motivational because every day you get rewarded for making it to another day. That's if you have a real tough time coping with this kind of stuff. And other than that, um, I would just say like uh, focus on meditating on your, your inner, the, the party within you that is beyond all this, right? The, the mm-hmm. inner stillness, the, the consciousness that's behind the, the mask of the ego that sees all this happening as a, as a, as a projection on a screen almost, you know? Because ultimately nothing is real except for consciousness, so everything that we see, our environment, the, the, our material possessions, the things that are happening, um, just, you know, cosmic events, everything like that, all that is, they're just props on a stage. And what really matters is the story of our individual lives and the players, which is, you know, your, your, your consciousness and my consciousness and how we affect each other and the relations that we forge. That's mm-hmm. the primary purpose of us being here. Yeah, no, beautifully said. Thank you, Tom. Now, that reminds me also like the old saying, you know, where attention goes, energy flows, right? It's not about living in a solipsistic bubble of ignorance and denial, but especially nowadays, like even like the psychic energy, the whole world is focused on this topic, on mainstream media, on the internet, on social media, you like your cons and people, especially through the self-isolation, everybody's glued on the internet, you know, a lot of armchair conspiracy theorists are being created and people can get stuck in this mental thing and even like you said, get on this timeline and, and, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, so it's about staying aware, but sometimes detox for me, they don't take in all this information. I, th- I remember you made a very good uh, point about that on the forum, which I quoted you on the article, 
is this oversaturation can also create or attract, you know, manifested virus, that illness within us. That's what you were alluding to, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, because, because I have a, well, I feel like I have an obligation or a duty to be informed on this in order to go on shows like these or, uh, you know, keep, give, give people heads up like that warning I posted on Twitter. I had to research this like crazy and it did, it did take its toll on me, but uh, hopefully with enough information now, I can probably leave it out there and kind of, kind of take a small break from it. But I don't know. I mean, the situation, the situation that we're heading to, it's accelerating. So every day, more and more novelty, more events come in. So it's, it's harder and harder to keep up with. Um, but at some point you got to draw a line between your, your physical health uh, and your and your spiritual health, you know, which, which one you care about more. Exactly. No, and I can relate. Laura and I can relate to that too. We also like, we also, you know, focusing on our, the course, we have a course coming up on occult forces, shadow work on trauma, which ties exactly into that. And really like giving people more tools. What do you mean to really take care of our emotional, spiritual health, right? To stay embodied, to connect to this timeless, to who we truly are beyond all these uh, external manifestations. And it's not about spiritual bypassing. The key point is holistic health. I think that's what you can summarize it to take care of yourself on all levels, you know, and not feeding too much into the craziness out there. But yeah, uh, thank you so much, Tom, for the first hour again. Uh, Tom's website is montalk.net, M-O-N-T-A-L-K.net. He's also on our forum. And we'll continue in a second hour. Definitely want to get into this whole fascinating uh, Q on and on movement and uh, what people call the mass awakening, the event, the storm, and what is truth, what is lies within that. And um, I also would like to get more on the, the to the bigger picture perspective, uh, perspective on less in light of the illusion of consciousness and what you know <clears throat> different timelines. We have both hypothesized in our work this timeline reality split and the splitting of humanity and how that may tie into that. And also look into on the positive side, obviously the you know what good comes can come out of it, the opportunities, right? And what you know what what this birth, maybe it is a birth to to a bigger, greater reality. And again, for members have access to the second hour. If you're not a member yet, you can sign up at veilofreality.com and then have also access to the forum. Thank you, Tom. So let's take a little break. <laughs> 